if I was in Germany right now, I'd be saying we're going to Games Gone because it's gone <laughs> after today, right? It's gamers gone. Games yeah. gone. It's Better than Gamers Gate, I guess. Um, slightly. Yeah, anything? <laughs> anything? Yeah, slightly. Anything uh, stand out for you? It really just the Phil Spencer interviews talking about how like, hey, we can't lower the price and um, we're not doing a mid-gen refresh. Oh yeah, right. Those little blockbuster right <laughs> apocalypse statements. Um, yeah, I mean that was given that the pro- you mentioned this yesterday. You spelled this out exactly, but g- given the promised to my mind of the Xbox Series X, which was full uh, no 4K 60 frames a second all the time. Mm-hmm. Right now, I know asterisks not all the time, but right. Yeah. And uh, and you mentioned the Xbox One X and mm-hmm. how I don't remember what that promise was, but it was probably 4K and or 60 frames a second or something like that. Right at the time, right? It was that that was the half step we could make it with that generation. Um, I feel I feel like there should be an Xbox One X version of Xbox Series X that does achieve that vision, and that should be the point. But I I think they box themselves in with this Xbox Series S, which is a wonderful little console. Yeah. Um, and they've all they they like we did this. It seemed like a good idea at the time. They're not going to say it this way, but now we developers have to target it, and 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 get convincing anyone. To do more than that probably requires some incentives from Microsoft at this point, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. it's easier just to make a game and have it run everywhere on the Xbox, right? Yeah, I, conveniently I my think. air conditioning just turned on. Turn that off real quick. I don't think anyone. Uh, I don't think I. I don't have an issue with the Series S. I think they're going to nail. They're going to win on value for a lot of. Yeah, but this is. Um, this was inadvertent, right? Yeah. That, no, I know. If you, I was, I've been going through all my archives and looking at the stuff again and everything. And one of the big stories that came out of the Xbox 360 generation, PS3, was uh, Microsoft came out of the gate a year early. PS3 arrived a hundred bucks more because of a Blu-ray drive or whatever it was. A year late, Microsoft was winning that entire generation. And then if you look at it now, you're like, well, actually, they came in third. But it was very close. Like uh, PS3 and Xbox 360 were actually very close. It was the best the Xbox had ever done in any generation. But mm-hmm. those two things are uh, footnotes to the Nintendo Wii, which blew both of them out of the water. And the Nintendo Wii was a a reaction to them doing poorly with pre- like GameCube or whatever had come before it and a couple things before it. And doing really well in mobile, right, that... Nintendo's best-selling game machines to this day are the DS, the whatever those things are, the, the little handheld things. And so they went down market with the Wii and, and then later did the Switch, which is really the that kind of awesome hybrid device, whatever you want to call it. And neither none of these things were technically sophisticated in any way, shape, or form, but they just kind of hit at the right place. Value quality whatever uh worry about the experience worry about the games you know and i think that's that is what the s achieves in in a way in the context of xbox um but i don't think that was the plan it's kind of interesting like i well something a little bit different just because i missed this the first time around so microsoft Uh this is like way not even related (laughs) it's good though it's perfect for this podcast python and excel right microsoft announced that this week and 
there were a couple caveats to this. Like, first off, I got really excited because I use Python a lot. I like Python. Like, yeah, interesting. Right. It's fine. Um, Python, Python, good. However, however, Python and Excel, first off, everything runs, <laughs> everything Python related runs in the cloud. Like all mm -hmm. those transactions, they aren't running locally, okay. which then I didn't realize was tied to a license, which I, which makes sense, I guess. I guess mm -hmm. I, maybe I did know that. But however, depending on the license will depend on the features that are enabled with this, which mm -hmm. really just kind of kills the whole yeah. excitement for me. Uh, they've skewed it to death, if you will. Yes. Um, I didn't look at this too closely. I, I, Leo was uh, told me on Windows Weekly, like the point of this is that data modelers use yes. Python, I guess, and yep. ex they use Excel. And so this is kind of the, you got your chocolate, my peanut butter thing. Um, and so confronted by that reality, I'm like, yeah, okay, actually that makes sense. Um, what you just said, it brings it back down to earth, which is, oh, right, it's Microsoft. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is the company that gives a bunch of stuff away for free during the pandemic. And then it's like, hey, we're going to make something called uh, Teams Premium. You're going to have to pay for it. And a bunch of those features you got for free are not going to be paid. And it's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know anything about this Excel Python stuff, but I... What you said <laughs> makes sense, unfortunately, given our It's just one more rich little, like, yeah. you had yeah. something great. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they yep. won't let us run it locally. That would be the... Right. Um, I, well, I guess... I'm guessing it's complexity, uh, just in install and all that stuff. Potential um, complexity. There's probably that. They probably want ease of use. The probably bigger one is, is that there's probably some people out there running on lower end hardware and like, look, trying to do this stuff on there may not be great. Although Python, I got it though. You know what they do? They got to have a product called Excel Pro. Don't and, no, uh... you stop talking. <laughs> you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Shut your That's mouth. Like they Don't I even... guess they could have marketed SQL Server as Access Pro. Yeah, especially <laughs> the first versions of, of SQL were... Server, right? I mean, it's yeah, well. Yeah, right. Let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> I don't think it was until SQL 7 that they had their own engine, um, I think. Was it really that long? Sphinx, I think it was. I think it through 6, it was Sybase, right? God, that's lighting up some neurons that haven't touched each other. And... Yep. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's it. But um, anyway, whatever. I... Yeah. You know what the big advance was? I'm coming out. I, I went to the SQL 7 workshop. It was codenamed Sphinx. And uh, they had something called the Terra server, which at the time was unheard of. It was a gigabyte of data. And to get it, they had to combine the satellite imagery from uh, Russia and the United States for what things look like on the ground, you know, the common stuff we have now in Google Maps. Mm -hmm. And uh, because they over like the uh, like Russia wouldn't have data for Russia and the United States didn't have data for the United States, but they had each other's data. So they combined it. And it was, of course, this room size thing. Um, but the big uh, advance for like the typical day to day database guy at the time was that you could create a table. Or a, uh, what would, oh, I don't even forget what they called it. Whatever held the tables and views and all that, whatever that container was called, Sybase, when you set the size of that thing, it was done forever. You mm -hmm. you could never make it bigger. And uh, that was the, one of the big advances was now they're dynamic, <laughs> you know. And this is a million years ago and I'm really old. And yeah, yikes. And that just came flying out of my mouth like it was yesterday. I couldn't remember the name of the container. though. What was it called? A wreck? No, a... Yeah, I'm not going to be able to pull this one. I know. Out. <laughs> Does, someone will know. Yeah, that's a while ago. Yeah, sure was. Uh, that's possibly still the 1990s, 99, somewhere in there. I bet. I could find it. I have my write-up somewhere. I'm not going to do it now. Yeah, it's because I don't. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that interesting. But, but. no, back when, back when on-prem was on-prem. 
Yeah, well, on prem was everything. Are you kidding me? Yeah, pretty much. Was, right? I, mean, I mean, there was no. There were well, sir. We had we had cloud we data centers really. as we now know them, and those things were in a location. One of the big tricks was companies would buy other companies that were in different places, and they would have some little server infrastructure somewhere else. How do we get these things to talk to each other? And this is when we had the concepts of um, kind of remote uh, domain controllers, basically, mm -hmm. and they would be kind of loosely connected. This was branch branch office. They would call this the the, uh, the notion that overnight the home server and the branch server would uh, sync, and then th we could have rules based on which ones made the like the local data for the branch server would take precedence over the uh, remote data in that case for the branch office. Why are we talking about this? I don't. Know. Things have changed, basically. We live in an industry of change, Brad. Did you know that? I, I was unaware. Yeah. No, it moves pretty slow. That change is hard. Uh, well, yeah, you would think so. Well, you know what? We can go talk about this in the, in the meta, in the metaverse. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs>